Welcome to Catalyst Church, and uh, hopefully what you experience today we'll have much more of. Worship was really beautiful today. I really sense the presence of God. God is good all the time. We've been looking at uh, hearing the voice of God, and as you look back through your journey with God, there's all sorts of ways that God speaks and times that he chooses to speak in through different mediums, through his word and through people and just through circumstances. Uh, yeah. Remember when I was the youth pastor at Good Life Baptist Church? Where's Laura? She'll remember this story. And we were booked to go on a mission trip to the Solomon Islands. And the Solomon Islands had a bit of political unrest, military unrest, and Qantas wouldn't fly us there. And we were all primed, ready to go. We'd been praying. We're all rah-rah as a youth group, ready to go. And we hit this brick wall like we can't go anymore. What do we do? So uh, we got all the kids together and their parents and the parents were like, well, we still believe God wants you to go somewhere. Why don't we just pray that the Lord opens a door? So I rang a friend of mine, John Sheen, who uh, works for Pioneers, and I said, John, you're connected in mission. Where could we go? What could we do? He said, well, I'll give you the phone number of a guy in Fiji. You can ring him and uh, see what you can organize. So he gave me the name of a guy called Vunyani Nakayatha. So here I am dialing the number, ringing who knows who's on the other end of the phone. And that, you know, trying to understand Fijians over the phone is not always the easiest thing. And hi, is that Pastor Vuniani, Reverend Vuniani? Yes. Uh, this is Pastor Mark Wilson from Australia. You don't know me, um, but Pastor Mark, it's all right. God's already spoken to me. Your mission trip's already organized. Just come. Okay, God, you've got my attention. God can speak through other people, right? When I was um, working with Steve Grace, Steve Grace asked me if I'd go on tour with him and do some of the preaching. And I was really gung-ho to want to do that and uh, very excited and uh, forgot about my family and got sort of caught up in the hype of being high profile. And... Um, I remember an elder from Calandra Baptist Church. I was telling him how excited I was and I'm going to head off and do all this stuff. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, Mark, not, God's not in the business of breaking up families. Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> but he was right. He spoke some truth into my life because I hadn't thought about my family and the ramifications for my family. God speaks in all sorts of different ways. I was in the highlands in Fiji one year and we were coming back down to Nusuri and we were going to catch um, some transport back to Nandi so I could fly home. And in Fiji they have these, they're sort of like high ace vans and they put these really big seats in them and they're totally illegal because these guys just zoom across the island and they're very unsafe. And so we got to Nusuri and I was really tired and I jumped in this van and the Fijian guy that I had with me put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Pastor Mark, not this one. Oh, Corey, I'm not waiting for any other van. I just want to go. Let's get in the van and go. Anyway, halfway across the island, the car flipped and rolled three times and a lot of people got hurt and um, it was a bit of a mess. And we're walking along the road, me and Corey saturated in the rain, bruised and battered. And he said, Pastor Mark, I told you not to get in the van. 
I looked at him and said, Corey, are you honestly telling me God showed you we were going to have an accident? He said, yes, I told you, don't get in the van. <laughs> so God can speak in all sorts of ways, right? And he can use his word, he can use people, he can use situations and circumstances. But it's so important that we're listening, that we're tuned in to the voice of God. And we're going to continue this study today. And I'm sorry if some of what I'm telling you is obvious, but I think we need to get the obvious and the foundation right so that we can build on that. Communication, you all know, is fundamental to any relationship. Marriages, when you don't talk, don't work. Or maybe sometimes they do. <laughs> but you get the point. If it's a healthy relationship, there's communication both ways. So we need it. And throughout the Old Testament and New Testaments, God's shown us in all sorts of ways that he wants to communicate that it's vital to us, whether that's walking through the Garden of Eden with Adam, whether it's speaking through a burning bush to Moses. God used any number of ways to speak to us, and he wants to speak to us, and his design is for us to be in communion with him on a daily basis in an intimate way. And that's what we're doing. We're pursuing relationship, not religion. We're pursuing a, a relational dynamic where John can hear from God at any time, anywhere, and God can speak to him and he can speak to God and there's a transmission both ways. That's our design as believers to have that relationship. And when we discuss this topic of hearing from God, we often use the phrase hearing God's voice as if we hear an audible voice all the time and that's the only way. We can hear God's audible voice, that's true, but it's not commonplace. Normally we hear a still small voice within us that speaks to us, that gives us guidance and leading. But God's not locked into one primary medium of communication. He can use his word. He can use other people. He can send you an angel. You can have a dream or a vision. Someone can give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Like God is not shut in to any one particular thing he has to do to communicate to us. He will choose all sorts of ways to get our attention if we're tuned in to listen. And what we saw from biblical history in last week's sermon is that God's methodology of communication has varied considerably right throughout history, ranging from his own personal presence at Mount Sinai, speaking audibly to a million people. There was no doubt God was speaking. Angels appearing to people, the scriptures, God said to meditate on it day and night, to put it over your forehead so you don't forget, mark it on your doorposts, that God was speaking through creation, through dreams, through visions, through prophets, like God is always speaking. He's always wanting to reach out to us. He even used a donkey to speak, to make his point obvious and clear. And that's a bit of background. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in many various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful work. So what the writer of Hebrews was saying was that in the past, God did things a certain way, but, but something changed. God sent his son and his son spoke to humanity in person. 
the presence of the second person of the Trinity walking on the face of the earth and you could follow him around and listen to his wisdom and dialogue with Jesus face to face, human to human, even though he was God. But that wasn't the end of the story because Jesus said that was only for a season because I'm going away back to heaven, back to my father, and I will ask my father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, physically Jesus on the face of the earth, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, day of Pentecost, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We've got to understand that there was a distinct change at Pentecost in our capacity to hear from God. It was a radical new paradigm of intimacy. We exchanged a principle of visitation where we would go to the temple and visit God or the tabernacle for habitation. It's a radical new thing. You could have habitated with Jesus and followed him around and been his mate and you could have been in his presence, but not all of us could have done that. And so God in his wisdom said, there's a new phase coming where I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and communication will no longer be a verbal thing where you relate externally. It will be an internal process. God's spirit resident in us, communicating to our spirit that was once dead, but is now alive in Christ. So hearing from God became much more focused on internal, intuitive, inner dimension of relationship, spirit to spirit much less orientated on the five human senses and much more dependent on the activation of spiritual senses like intuition and imagination and promptings from God and perceiving things and instinct. That's spiritual language. It's not human normal language. So we can now use expressions like, I received a quickening from the Holy Spirit to describe the internal awareness that has comes about instinctively as a flow from the Holy Spirit to our inner man, as opposed to something we once knew through learned logic or reason. So when we're talking about hearing God's voice, we're talking about something happening inside us that brings an awareness to us that God is communicating. Are we hearing a voice? Not really. But that's the way we describe it because it's so hard to describe because it's intuitive. It's discerned. It's sensed. It's perceived. And this is where people get really wobbly. It's like, hang on a minute, you're turning new age. You know, you're tuning into something. No, because the source of the voice is the living God and his presence is within us. And if that's the way that God has tuned, decided in this era of history to communicate, then we better get on that wavelength. Or else we're living Old Testament type of theology. We're going back to the old ways when there was a brand new way of hearing from God that any one of us in any situation, in any circumstance can hear from God and we can communicate with God and back and forth. Now, to me, that's beautiful. 
That is so beautiful that in any situation I can say, God, I don't understand. What do you want me to do? I don't have an answer, Lord. What do you want me to do? And so this, it's the ultimate, isn't it? It's the ultimate thing to have God reside in you. You don't have to get out the guidebook anymore because the book's in you. It's not diminishing scripture. It's saying that God added to the fullness of scripture by giving us the author himself to reside in us. This is revelation from God and we can't take anything away from it. I'm not telling you that I'm diminishing scripture. I'm saying it's this, but it's a whole lot more. The full wisdom and revelation of God is in the God himself. And so if God dwells in you, then there's capacity for us to hear God's will and design in every circumstance in our life. Let me prove that. God called Cheryl and I to go to Fiji, right? Would I find that in Scripture? Could I find, and Mark and Cheryl, thou shalt go to Fiji? <laughs> it's not there. So God's word, don't get this wrong, is limited in the sense that God can use those verses and the principles and the wisdom in it and apply it to my life. Yes, he could have used scripture, but there's still an interpretation, isn't there? Joshua 1.9 says what? Do not be discouraged, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And when I read that verse, God said to me, Mark, go to Bible college. I'm with you wherever you go. But someone else might read that verse and it might have a totally different application. Because God uses his word in different ways to communicate to us. But it's not just his word. If God speaks something into my spirit and it's God's truth, then it's just as equal as the word of God. It's still God speaking. It's just that it's not written down. If Nikki hears from God and she writes something down that's for me and she hands it to me and I read it and I know it's truth from my life, it's still God speaking. It's truth. And God can use lots of means to do that. So communication from God can still happen as it did before Pentecost, through the scriptures, through prophets, through creation. None of that's changed. But the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the activation of our spirit, being born again, brings about a unique and dynamic forms of divine revelation. Because we can have words of knowledge. So God plants something in my spirit that cannot be discerned through my reason. But God puts it there, and then I know something that I didn't know before. I didn't know it because I read. I didn't know it because someone told me something. I knew it because God planted something in there. The author and the source is God. Do you get where we're going? We couldn't have those things for all of us prior to Pentecost. And that's why when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. So if you can't hear God, it's because your spirit is not alive. That's why Jesus was so intent on the disciples waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out because he knew that for them to, to know all things and to move in God and to be intimate with God and to be obedient, to hear and to understand and to know, they had to be filled with the spirit. To know the presence of the living God within him. So we're talking about my spirit connected to God's spirit is a much more profound and personal transmission of communication than any other way. 
Sadly, many misguided Christian movements and people have mistakenly prioritized the position and the role of God's word, the Bible, to be over and above the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not Father, Son, Holy Scriptures. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, the stupidity of what people's theology does is that they say this book is more important than the author. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like some people stand on this, so you cannot deny the word of God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is limited revelation. It doesn't tell us everything. But the one who knows everything that is everything lives in me. Which one will I choose? The limited book or the fullness of God who dwells in me? It's not taking away from scripture. It's supercharging scripture and taking it to a whole new dynamic because the word of God, who is Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father and he sent his spirit so that we could all have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and hear God's voice and walk with God and know God's will and purpose in every part of our life. Sadly, there's been a denial of freedom or variety in hearing the Spirit by elevating the Scriptures and people saying, well, you can only hear God through his Word. Well, if you can only hear God through his Word, then why did we need Pentecost? We had Scriptures. It would be like saying, oh, hang on a minute, I don't know what to do. Let me read the construction manual. I don't know whether to go to Fiji or not because it doesn't say that in here. It's not patronizing God. It's not taking away from the word of God. This is inspired of God. It's God's word and God will never contradict it. He will never change it, but he will apply it personally. So we can know what we need to know and be obedient and follow God in every situation in our life. The author is so much more important than the book. I hope that didn't sound blasphemous, but you get my point. So God's personal habitation within us supersedes having an inspired book as our primary means to discern communication from God. It's not taking away the truth of Scripture. It's bringing to it much, much more. It's this plus. Okay? If all you ever do is try to hear God through this word, you'll hear him. No doubt about it. Because it's his word. It's alive. It's active. It's living and breathing. But you will also hear God through other means as well. And we shouldn't shut the door on those things. Because the Bible's very clear that those things operate as spiritual gifts and spiritual communication. So the Holy Spirit does not diminish the word. He is the word. But he both complements and enhances his word and gives us scope for much more specific revelation to our personal context. Lord, I need to buy a car. Which car should I buy? And they all went across the desert in one accord. We all have to buy a Honda. Do you see what I say? But when you go to the car yard and there's all those shammy guys around that are trying to sell you a lemon, wouldn't it make sense to go to God and say, God, I need your wisdom and your guidance. You know all these cars. You know all the mechanics. You know which is the right one for me. Show me. Oh, how do we find that in here? Now, God could show you something in Scripture that leads you to that car. I'm not denying that. But it's more likely that you pray, God, I'm trusting you as I go and look at these cars today, that you will give me a divine sense that this is the one, even if it's the wrong color and it's purple and I hate purple. If that's the car you've chosen, then that's the car for me. Ignore that at your own peril. 
And that's the way God wants us to be in tune with him. And as we read through the Acts of the Apostles, we see that the Holy Spirit superintended all sorts of things that weren't written in Scripture because God spoke. They were listening to God's voice. They knew they needed to hear it, and they responded. So we read things in Scripture like, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. So how did they know it seemed good to the Holy Spirit? Because somehow God communicated to that group of people yeah, it's right. It's truth. It's what I want you to do. So that's discernment. And spiritual discernment is something that we need to activate. In the red writing there, God's spirit within us gives birth to endless capacity for revelation of spiritual truths and direction, which was once built on the law of the prophets. No one's denying that. But it is now supercharged and expanded by the power and the presence of Christ indwelling us by his Holy Spirit. You get all that. Okay, prerequisites to hearing from God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Add to that, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Add to that, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So what are the prerequisites for hearing God? You have to have an inclination or a predisposition. Let me use other words, a hunger and a thirst to hear from God. That's number one. Can you live your life without hearing God? Absolutely, especially in this culture. You'll do fine because we're self-reliant. We can do it without God. We really don't need him. If that's the way you want to live, you can do it. And there's lots of people in churches doing it every week because they're not hungry. They're not The default position in their life is not, God, what are you saying? How are you leading? It's more, oh, God, I'll come to you when there's a crisis and I'm in a bind. Then I'll call on you to get me out of it. No, it's a, it's a lifestyle of dependency on God. It's not a complicated formula. It's not a tricky thing. Anybody can do it. It's really simple. It's just an acknowledgement that God is there and learning to tune into God, that his presence is in us and all around us as we've been praying and singing about this morning. We need belief and trust. You know how many people are cynical about prophecy? Eagerly desire the gifts. You want to repeat that? Eagerly desire the gifts. How can you turn that around and say that God does not speak through the prophetic word? Heaven help the person who makes that their theology. Because God will take you out. Because you are, you are becoming a stumbling block to the purposes of God wanting to use the body of Christ to be ministers and priests. And God can use prophetic gifts. He can use words of wisdom. He can use words of knowledge. He can use all sorts of ways to generate communication through a body of people. And that's his desire. Because the sad default is if we don't go down that path, we go to a place where everyone comes to listen to Mark. He's the wealth of wisdom. That's a sad place to be in. It really is because we need the mix and the ingredients of all the different gifts flowing and moving so that in any given scenario, we can be ministers for God. We can hear. 
Oh, I don't know what to pray for that person. Mark, you do it. No, you can equally hear from God than I can. We all have that capacity. And for too long, we've, we've entrenched into the church that there's a select few or, you know, the professional people that can do it. No, that's a lie. We can all hear from God. We've got to hear from God. So we've got to have a belief in trust that God is going to speak and he is going to put things in our heart and we are going to be able to discern those things and respond to them. So we need to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. If God's not in control, then who is? I am. I'm only listening to my own voice or what I conjure up as a good idea. That's dangerous ground. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because unless our spirit is activated and alive, you can't tune into God. It's like trying to watch a 3D Olympics without the glasses on it. It all doesn't work. God's plan and purpose was for human people to be indwelled by the presence of God and an activation happens and communication happens that is supernatural and, and divinely inspired or divinely orientated. And we need to be absolutely certain that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. My journey was that I was a Christian, but I wasn't filled with the Spirit. The dimension of hearing God when you are filled with the Spirit is radically different to the dimension of trying to wrestle with hearing God when you're not filled with the Spirit. There's no comparison. Because once your spiritual ears come alive, like Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. There's a whole new dynamic of sensory awareness of God that happens when the Holy Spirit's moving and he's Lord and you're listening and your spirit is alive as opposed to sort of being dry and trying to connect with God in an Old Testament type of medium. We've got to be baptized in the spirit. An expectation that God will speak. It's not complicated. You don't have to come to God as a scholar. You just come as a child. He'll speak. I'm absolutely certain he'll speak. And we need to have a disciplined lifestyle. I'm going to look at that a little bit more next week. But hearing God is a discipline. It's about stillness. It's about getting familiar with God's voice so you can discern what is God, what is Satan, what is self, and what is the world. And, and the recognition of the voice. Hasta la vista, baby. I'll be back. Who's the voice? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, hello, possums. I brought my gladiolas today. Who's the voice? Dame Edna. You know the voice. Well, why can't we know God? It's the same principle, but it's a familiarity. And when we're born again of the Spirit, we hear God's voice. There's no doubt about that because God sort of overrides everything and takes over because we, we give him permission to do that. That's why Jesus said, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come because then I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh and you can all enter into this beautiful dynamic of communication and relationship and you'll have the ability to minister and move and pray and discern and hear and prophesy and do all these different things that before you couldn't do. And so a disciplined lifestyle is about stillness, about tuning into God, about a spontaneous flow of trusting God. Oh, hang on a minute. I'll have to go and have two weeks sabbatical to know what God wants me to do. And I'll just you know, have a retreat for two weeks till I really hear from God. Now, sometimes you've got to do that. But in the day-to-day nitty-gritty of life, it shouldn't take that long because we're in tune with God and we've got a habit and a discipline of hearing God's voice. And we just know. Lord, I'm not sure what to do here. What, what's your wisdom? If you lack wisdom, 
ask and God will give it to you. So he'll birth an awareness or a sense in you what is the right thing to do and then we step into obedience. And the more that we discipline our lifestyle to do that, the more it becomes a natural way of doing life. The problem with our Christianity is we don't have the habit and we just come to God in the crisis. You know, there's intermittent relationship and communication, which is not good. It's not healthy. Hope I'm not babbling on too much. So God can speak through the Bible, right? We all know that. It's alive. It's living. It's active. It's a mix of God's revelation of history, how he's related to man and theology. Who is God? What is his character? What is nature? But is there more than what's written in the Bible? We can't take away from it and we can't change it. But there's still godly wisdom out there. If we dig up the third book, or third letter to the Church of Corinthians, would it still have godly wisdom in it? Yeah, it would, but we wouldn't make it divinely inspired scripture. But you get the point. God can still speak through other mediums. So though I believe God will never contradict his word, and I'm not, tell, I'm not diminishing the word of God, all right? I'm elevating it, but I'm saying there's so much more because God is bigger than his word. Because his word is not just that word, it's his words through every part of life. God can speak to us through visions and dreams. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Catherine, I understand that you had a vision here last week. Is that right? So God spoke to you, right? Was it through the word of God? Oh, dear. We might have to have a little talk next week. But we can test and know that that is God. And it might have benefit and edification just for Catherine, or it might have benefit and edification for all of us, that we can all enter into the blessing of that and say yes and amen. That speaks to me. That encourages me. That builds me up. That makes me want to go harder and faster for the things of God. That's the way God works. He can use visions. He can use dreams. I have lots of weird dreams. It's interpreting those dreams that's the problem. Okay, but God has spoken through dreams in the past. And he said in the latter days, in, when he pours out his spirit, this will be something that happens much more commonplace. So I don't have a problem with anyone coming up and saying, I've had a vision or I've had a dream. Can I share it? As long as you're prepared to have it tested. That's the acid test. We're not going to just believe everything that someone speaks out. It's got to sit right. It's got to line up with scripture. It can't contradict it. And it's got to have the verification of other people discerning God because there's a discernment of spirits. Does that happen because we get a letter in the mail or it appears on the whiteboard or on, oh, that wasn't a word from God. God's just written on the whiteboard there. No, it's because we discern it internally because our spirit combined with God's spirit says, yes, that's right. That's truth. I can acknowledge that. So visions and dreams. We might look at that a little bit more next week. Mental pictures are images that occur in the mind while awake. They are snapshots from God that often come without warning or forethought. Okay? When Jesus met Nathaniel, the, the apostle, he said to him um, in the conversation, Nathaniel, I know you're this and I know you're that. And Nathaniel said, well, God, how, Jesus, how do you know that? And Jesus said, because I saw you under the fig tree. Did Jesus actually see him under the fig tree with his human eyes? Or did he see him under the fig tree in a mental picture or a mental image of him sitting under the fig tree? It was a mental image. 
of him seeing things. And God puts those pictures and, and images in our head all the time, especially when we're asking God for discernment in situations and when we're praying for people, and when we're ministering and we get to the end of our own capacity to do things, then God kicks in. And then we flow from the things that God gives to us. It's spontaneous and it's beautiful. The audible voice. God still speaks in an audible voice. God spoke to me, Mark, when are you going to stop running? And I turned around to hear the voice, see the person. It was God speaking. He still does it today. Did it with Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So God speaks. But it's the still small voice that we're really narrowing down to now. We're trying to get a handle on what is this inner communication that's intuitive and instinctive and how do we get our head around that? If it's not something that's audible, then we have to learn the process of understanding. So one day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, see the predisposition? Listening to God, wanting to know what God is saying, a lifestyle of commitment to God, surrender to him. The Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Do you get the point? In their gathering, they're obviously wrestling with the situation of how to spread the gospel. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set aside Paul and Barnabas and I'll send, we'll send them out. Now, how did they get that information? It wasn't written in scripture. So somehow in someone might have said, I just believe that God is saying we need to send Barnabas and Saul. We need to set them apart and send them out. I believe that's what God's saying. Someone else would have had to say, yes, I agree. I'm sensing that from God too. That, that sits right with me. And so there would have been this dialogue and, and testing and discernment. And then the discernment of truth would say, yes, we're going to set them apart. And in obedience to, to the Holy Spirit speaking, they did. They set Barnabas and Saul apart. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Well, what did the Holy Spirit do? Say, hang on a minute, can't go down this road, stop. No, he spoke to them and said, Paul, Silas, don't go there. I want you to go here. Change your travel plans. How did they know that? Because they were in tune with God. They were listening to God's voice. They knew God's voice and they responded. So you get the point. It's so important that we can hear God's voice. It's fundamental to relationship and it's fundamental to the ministry of the church, the body of Christ, not the man of Christ or the leadership of Christ, the body of Christ, because we can all hear from God. It's just the discipline of learning that and trusting that it's God and maybe having some things tested, but the more you do it, I can guarantee you it will happen. I remember being in Fiji, we're in um, little teams, and I was sending out a group of young people to go door knocking. Very scary when you're 16, 17 years of age to go door knocking and preach the gospel in a nation where you don't know who's going to answer the door, could be Muslim, whatever. And I remember this young kid, Cameron, sitting around, he was terrified. He was having kittens about what he was going to say and what he was going to do it. Laura's laughing, you can remember it. He had a vision of a house. Now in Fiji, they paint their houses lovely colours. This was a bright pink house with a purple door. Very clear vision. And he said, we've got to go to this house. 
It's got a purple door and it's pink. I can't remember what colours were, but they were gorgeous. And as they walked through the streets, they came to the house that he pictured in his mind and they went into that house and they led that family to the Lord. God spoke to this kid who had no theological understanding, no education, you know, had never really been on his knees before God, but God used that kid. And he was adamant that they had to go into that house and he was bold and courageous and went in and that family got saved. They're the sort of principles we're talking about, being in tune with God and letting God dictate and direct our lives so that we're right on the acid point of what God wants us to do. And I tell you, that's exciting. Okay, as worship was happening this morning, could you feel God starting to move, starting to minister? That's just the tip of the iceberg. Because what happens as we all begin to really go deeper with God is all the gifts start to manifest and flow. And then you have to basically get a ticket to stand in line to get up the front to share because God's moving. And that's what he wants. Doesn't want a dynamic where we're all dependent on one or two key people to impart communication. We come to God. And God is the one who births and sources what we should do. So what do we do? Mark, I want to come to your church. So I sit down and I come up with a vision. I come up with a really great way of discerning what we should do as a people. And then I try and sell that to you and I try and make it the best vision I can so that you go, yes and amen, we'll jump on board. That works, but it's not really God's way. The vision should come out of the people. What to do, do should flow out from the collective voice of the family of God hearing. I might be able to say, I'm not sure what we should do as a church in terms of mission. Could you go away and pray? And I believe if we all did that intentionally and on our knees and set aside time to pray and listen and discern, God would say, I want you guys to do this in this country at this time this way. Because God has a will and a purpose and that applies right through our lives. There's no time that we can't get a handle on what God wants us to do. That's the beauty of this. You don't have to always come back to the instruction book, although we read it and we have a lifestyle of learning it and meditating it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So I'm not saying stop reading your Bible. I hope you've got the message. I'm saying learn it back to front. But remember, God's not locked in just to this word. His word is far bigger. And if he speaks tomorrow and says, Andrew, Kerry, you're not working for Hudamaki, that great Japanese company anymore. <laughs> I want you guys to go and do this. God will show you. How will he show you? I don't know because God chooses the methodology to speak. But he'll keep at you and you can choose to obey or not obey. And the beauty is when we're all hearing and we're obedient, it unlocks more and more and more and more. Does that make sense? Have you all got a headache now? I have. <laughs> Why don't we pray? And then Nikki's going to come up. Father, I just want to thank you that this is exciting stuff. It's so exciting when people hear your voice and they're certain of that. And, and it's revelation that can only come from you alone or it's a, a reinforcement of truths and it's like a light going on. We just know. We know that it's come from you and, and then the choices are easy to be involved in the things that you're involved in. Lord, we don't want to be over here doing these things when you're saying, no, no, that's, that's not where I'm at. That's not where I'm at work. I'm over here. Come over here. Do this over here. Lord, we want to be so acutely aware of what you want us to do and be able to do that as a body. And if that means we've got to 
learn the processes and make a few mistakes, that's fine. We just want to practice the presence of God and flow with the Holy Spirit and be in tune with you, Lord God. So, Father, my prayer over this church is that you will take us into a dimension of communication and relationship with you, Lord, that will really stretch us all and that we will learn together really precisely what God is saying and that we will have the fear of the Lord over what we do, that we wouldn't take your word or your instruction flippantly about prophetic things and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. God, if you say do it, then I, that's where I want to be. I want to be doing the things that you said you would give to your church to make it vibrant and alive and healthy and growing and a force to be reckoned with. And Lord, we need less of us and more of you. We need you to take over our lives, for you to be the source of the communication, for you to be the one who instructs and guides and leads and births spirit within us so that our spirit discerns and understands and moves with you. Lord, that was your design at Pentecost and you overtook those men and they were out of control, but you were in control. Your ways are not our ways. And sometimes we've got to wrestle with our theology or our upbringing that hasn't exposed ourselves to these things, but that doesn't make them wrong. And it's not right and fair for us to put a blockage to our children and the generations who are to come and hold them captive to the greater things of God because we're fearful or we haven't experienced those things or we're tentative. Go to God and let him speak. And he will tell you his truth and he will set you free. And it's not scary to move in the things of God. It's the way we were designed to be. And Lord, I pray over this church that you will take us into that realm of intimacy with you. Where we're too frightened almost to say anything because we value what God says so much. And yet our inclination, our 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 disposition is so much dependent on you, Lord God, that, that we won't do anything till we know that we know that we know it's God saying it and God leading us. And Lord, I know that that's a learning process and it's okay for us to, to start off a bit scratchy and not quite connect the dots. But Lord, I know you're faithful and you will speak to us in that still small voice. You will give us clarity. You will give us intuition and discernment and a quickening within us so that we are about the things of the living God, alive and active in us, Lord. That's what I yearn for. And I pray that you will give us that hunger, Lord. It's got to start with the hunger for God. It's got to start with a yearning to want to be on our knees and praying and hearing and, and just crying out to God to be the voice that we hear and your voice alone. So, Father, we thank you that you're faithful to your word, to the ways that you minister, and you're faithful to your own character and your nature. That you are the spirit of truth. And you will lead us into all truth. And you will bring to our memory the, the things that we've learned and the things of scripture. You'll bring them back at the right time in the right way. But you'll build on that for a greater wisdom, a greater awareness of moving with you. That's our prayer. We want to live and move and breathe and have our very being in the spirit of the living God. Lord, we ask you to do that. We beseech you, Lord. Pour out your spirit on all our lives in a deeper, more profound way so we can move with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Come on up, Nikki.